began a series last week called Loving Each Other. And uh, this is not one of those mushy, well, it could be if we start talking about couples partway through. But anyways, it's not one of those mushy kind of messages, but it's a Bible message, Loving Each Other. Loving each other is a very scriptural thing, and it's very important for those who call themselves believers to practice this. Let me give you some scripture, and we'll continue on that, okay? Loving each other. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about spending time with each other. So last week was an overview, and you, you might remember we talked a little bit about spending time. We're going to really focus on that tonight. Showing love by spending time. So John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus is talking to his followers, and he says this, Now... I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So those of you who are believers here tonight, how do you prove to the world that you're a Christian? Is it by how long you pray? Is it by how loud you sing? Is it by how upset you get at the grocery store. (laughs) Never mind, you all know that's not the one. Is it how much money you have? Are they going to know we're believers by how many miracles we do? No. Are they going to know we're followers of Christ by how many pamphlets we hand out? No. Are they going to know we're followers of Christ by how fancy my clothes are? Are they going to know we're followers of Christ by how many things we're against? Oh, that one was like, no. They're going to know we're followers of Christ by one thing according to Scripture. Do we show love? We should love each other just as Christ loved. And so we did an overview last week about the way Christ loved. And today we're specifically going to look at the fact that spending time with people shows love. You see, Jesus spent lots and lots of time with people, a whole bunch of time with different people. Luke 10, 38, it says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. And we briefly looked at this last week, but I want to go into a little more detail, a little more depth of the friendship that Jesus had And it all began with somebody inviting into their home. You show love to others when you are open and willing to spend time. And one of the greatest ways to spend time with people is to invite them for dinner. Invite people for dinner. Ah, but my house is not perfect. Nobody's house is perfect. Well, I don't know if I cook really good. It's okay. Get, you know, takeout or something. (laughs) Invite. Did you know that the church can become selfish and we forget about others to the point where we become isolated, not reaching out? Or we become self-absorbed and we feel like everybody needs to help us meet our needs. What about just reaching out? Invite somebody over. This woman invited Jesus and those who were with him 
so we can assume she had a fairly good-sized place to eat and obviously a fairly big source of food. She was probably a woman who had some wealth or she wouldn't have been able to invite them all to eat. So she invited them to eat Jesus and those with him, and it began a friendship which later scripture will tell us there was great love between them as brothers and sisters. In John chapter 11, verse 1, we read about this story a little further because you see, Martha had a sister named Mary who had a brother named Lazarus. And Jesus became very close with them. And 11 verse 1 says that the man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Another version says, the one you love is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Know what happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Jesus, because of spending time with this family, loved them. And they loved him. Spending time is the key thing to strong friendships and, yes, love. Ask any married couple. If you don't spend time together for an extended period of time, sparks start to fly. We won't go there. You need time. If you feel like, huh, relationship seems kind of cool, spend time. If you feel like, I don't know, does she really love me? Spend time. If you're like, I don't know if he's really the same as when we first got together. Spend time. Yeah, but sometimes when we get together, we just argue. Just keep your mouth shut and spend time. <laughs> I'm serious on that one. You don't have to discuss all the hot issues when you spend time. Spend time. Okay? Jesus spent time and built a great friendship. Love for this family. Now this story, those of you who know it, continued on. Lazarus died. They put him in a tomb. Jesus came back. And Mary and Martha were like, Jesus, if you had to come, our brother would be alive. What's wrong with you? And Jesus says, he's going to live. And Martha says, oh, I know the resurrection, he'll live again. Jesus says, I am the resurrection in life. And of course, he calls him out of the grave and Lazarus comes back to life. Unbelievable miracle. But today, I'm focusing a little more on the love in this family with Jesus. It appears that Jesus ate there quite often with his followers, and they were close. And then we hear a story, one of the stories in Scripture that's maybe a little different, and it almost sounds like it's a story about a lady who's a little over-emotional, but here's how it goes. John 12 and verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead, which, of course, is also the home of Martha and Mary. You're following with me. 
And a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. You see, for some of us, and especially the religious people, that was way over the top. They were probably thinking, this woman is a little bit cuckoo, like what are you doing? Using your hair to wipe somebody's feet. Martha was the organized one that did the serving and made sure everything was right. She was probably like, my sister again. Every time he's here, she doesn't help me serve. And now what's she doing? Oh, Jesus. She's embarrassing the whole family. Probably Martha was thinking that because Martha's that kind of person. Things should be in order and, you know, don't get cuckoo. Mary seemed a little more, oh, the flowers, you know, whatever. (laughs) And here she is. She takes a perfume that is worth a year's wages. A year's worth of money for this expensive perfume, and she takes it and breaks it and pours it on Jesus' feet. And one of Jesus' own followers, the guy who was in charge of finances, imagine that, what did she waste that for? She could have sold that. And we could have given it to the poor. Scripture says, of course, that wasn't his real heart intent because he was actually a thief looking after Jesus' finance. What is that about? Anyhow, Martha loved greatly. And Martha showed her love. And Jesus says, she did this for my burial, which is coming. He was telling his followers there's something coming, and she sensed it already. She knows it's coming. Because sometimes, those overly emotional people, they sense things. They're feelers. They feel. And she had a sense something's coming. He's talking different. He's acting a little different. I know what's coming. And so she anointed him already for his burial and showed her love. She gave her very best. And the thing that I love so much about this church is it all began simply with her sister inviting him. This kind of deep friendship began with an invitation to spend some time. Let's commit to saying, yeah, I want to spend time with people I care about. I want to spend time with the ones that seem off on their own without anybody. We need to visit people. And you know what? If you're a little bit shy or you're like, I don't know about that, join a life group. Join a life group where you can just come and you don't have to even talk if you don't want because there's six or seven others there that can talk if you're not a talker. But begin to build friendships. Begin to feel love. If you're feeling that there isn't love, if you're feeling alone and nobody cares about you, join a life group. You know what? This is awesome. I love the weekend service, but it's not quite the same. And you could come here and hide in the back and still feel like nobody cares about me. I mean, I hope you don't, but you could because it's a bigger group. Join a life group. Jesus spent every day with his disciples who he called friends. 
So he was fine to go meet with people for dinners and meet at homes, but he also spent every day with his closest followers. Mark 1 and verse 35, and if you were here last weekend, you might remember this verse. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Jesus spent so much time with people, he had to sneak off early in the morning to get some private time with the Lord in prayer. Spending time mattered to Jesus. It should also matter to us. In Matthew 9, verse 35, we read this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Jesus walked and talked with people. He got out there where they were. And he said, I'm here, I want to pray, I want to meet needs. He healed everywhere, but he realized there's a lot of people. And so he equipped his followers to do the same. If you call yourself a Christian, you're supposed to do the same. You are equipped to go out and help people and spend time with them. The interesting thing, in those days, they didn't have vehicles where you could get in all by yourself and turn the stereo up and just, you know, and not even notice anybody else. They walked everywhere. And when you walked, there's a good chance somebody else would walk along with you on the path and you'd discuss stuff. Life was a whole lot slower. They walked in the towns and groups of people would gather together when they started to know who Jesus was. They wanted to hear him and he took the time to teach them. He spent time. So for our day and age, can I say this? Find how you can spend time and slow it down. If your entire life is go, 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 sleep, find a way to slow it down because people need you to spend time. This is all across the board. If you're a manager, your employees need you to spend time. People around you need you to talk with them. Jesus spent time with his closest followers, but did you know he also spent time with those who didn't yet believe? If you call yourself a believer, but you only want to spend time with just a few, I, I don't, you know, those other people out there, they're scary. They are so evil. It says we all sinned and come short of glory. All of us. People out there are just like you and me. They need Jesus just like we did. They have hurts. They get things they're excited about. They have things that pain them. They have hang-ups. And they have dreams and visions. And just maybe we should spend some time with them like Jesus did. Matthew 9 and verse 9. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as a dinner guest. 
along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. What a word, eh? But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? You're probably like, what version are you reading from? These were religious Pharisees who didn't care about anybody but themselves. And that's the terminology they had for other people. People that Jesus chose to have dinner with. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners. Wow. Jesus was basically telling these guys, you don't want it, that's fine. I'm coming for people who totally know that they're sinners. They're, they're, you ask them, they're like, sure, I do bad stuff, I know it. And they wanted Jesus. He didn't come for people who thought they're already perfect. And believers, church people, if you serve God, don't get to be that kind of person. Don't become religious where you look down your nose at everybody else. You're only where you are because of the grace of God. Amen. Because of his blessing on you. Remember that. And when you meet other people who haven't yet got there, treat them like you care about them. And spend time when it's possible. Jesus did. And Jesus had no problem with showing them that he cared. You see, he showed he loved them by spending time with them and caring about the things they were going through. Jesus spent time with a number of different people. Now, I just spoke to you a little bit about those religious Pharisees. Jesus was even willing to spend time with them. We read a story where he spent some time with, well, I'm going to call him a confused religious person. Most religious people are confused. You know, I'm talking about like my religion. No, no, no. This is a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. But he had a religious person named Nicodemus come to him in the middle of the night to ask him questions. And Jesus said, I'll spend some time with you and explain it. In the middle of the night. You know, as a pastor, I want to be more like Jesus, but don't come to my house in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm going to elbow my wife and say, I think it's a burglar, call 911. <laughs> but Jesus was, all right, I'll spend time with you. If this is the only time you can come see me, let's talk. And he sat down and had a good conversation with him. And the time he spent changed Nicodemus' heart and life. Spending time matters. Jesus also spent time with really rough people. There's a story about him spending time with a convicted sinner. It's in John chapter 8, but I'm just going to tell you about it. Jesus is in the temple doing some teaching, and along come the religious guys again, and they're dragging along this lady. They drag this lady in front of Jesus. And they say, Jesus, this woman right here was caught in adultery. And the law says you should stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him. And Jesus, it said, didn't really say anything at first. He just kneeled down and he was writing in the sand. And they pressured and pushed again. What do you say? And he looked up at all these men who thought they were wonderful. And he said, all right. Whichever one of you 
has never sinned, you go ahead, cast the first rock. And then he knelt down again and wrote in the sand. Did you know that not one of them, even though they were self-righteous, not one of them dared throw the rock? They said they all turned and left from the oldest to the youngest. Do you ever wonder why was it from the oldest to the youngest? I believe it was from the oldest to the youngest because the older ones have realized they can chuck their pride. The younger have a harder time getting rid of their pride. They sat there for a while. But they, they couldn't lie to that, could they? This woman caught in adultery, she's there in front of Jesus, and Jesus is willing to not just ignore the situation, but to take some time. And he looks at her and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are those who are condemning you? They're all gone. He says, I'm not going to condemn you either, but go and sin no more. Change your life, go. And Jesus, short time there, showing that he cared. When you spend time with people who don't go to church or don't know Jesus, are you showing them you care? Are you trying to prove a point? Are you showing them you care about their lives or are you just trying to be right? When you spend time, show that you care. Some scholars believe this woman caught in adultery was actually Mary who later poured the ointment on his feet. In Luke's version of the story of ointment being poured on his feet, Simon knows that she's an adulterous woman. This, this woman is bad. Jesus should know. And Jesus says, I do know. But the one who has much forgiven loves much. You see somebody, oh, they're, they're impossible. They've done too much wrong. Jesus wants to forgive them just like he did you. And you know what? When he does, they're going to go way further than you do because they're going to love more. Oh, you didn't want to hear that, did you? Romans 5, verse 8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ didn't die for you because you were better than somebody else. Christ didn't die for you and I because, well, we're way better than those people at the bar. No, you're not. Well, we're way better than those people that smoke that wacky weed stuff. No, you're not. That's pro probably not how you're supposed to say it. We're way better. You're no better. But you've received his grace and you've you're not just a baby anymore. You've learned how to move forward. But when you have that attitude, you can't spend time with people and care about them. But when you remember what you were saved from, when you remember what he brought you from, and some of you, you know what? You were lucky you didn't have to go through some of the hardships people have gone through. You meet somebody and they're addicted to alcohol. They're trying to cover up things they've gone through that you have no idea. Can you care about that? If you care, they know. If you fake, they know. I found this. To truly care about people, you need to be able to see them how Jesus sees them. Jesus saw every person as someone who needed his forgiveness. 
every person as someone who needed to be saved. He never saw any of them as, well, they're just the devil's child, forget it. He never ever said that. He never said that. As a matter of fact, as he hung on the cross, he hung there bleeding and dying, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they've done. The ones who hated him the most were standing in the crowd, mocking him while he hung there. The most over the top. And yet he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why would he say that? Because he cared. Did you know, if people do you wrong, I feel like we're going to take this little rabbit trail for a minute. If people do you wrong, you need to forgive them and still care. You see, when people don't pay you, can you forgive them and still care? When people tell lies about you, can you forgive them and still care? It's getting quiet in here now. You went a little far there. <laughs> Somebody lies about me, that's it. People do all kinds of things because of the hurt and the brokenness in them. They don't need one more person crashing down on them. They don't need one more person slapping them with words, kicking them with attitude, closing the door because you dared to disrespect me. You're hurting. You're broken. And without Jesus, we couldn't love anybody. If he could take what he took, why can't we take a little wrong and care about people? I believe you can. I believe you can love others. We don't love others because they deserve it. We love others because Jesus asked us to. If you're looking for only to love people who deserve it, you won't be able to even love yourself because you don't deserve it. Uh-huh. Okay, that made some people think. <laughs> Do you? But you can love yourself and you can love others because of what Jesus did. Scripture says God is love. The only reason we can love is because of the love that he's given us. You see, to truly love other people, we need to be filled with his love. The love that somebody who doesn't know God portrays is usually just a feeling or actions because they want something back. But true love that comes from God gives out not requiring anything back. That's the difference. 1 John 4 and verse 15 says, Anyone who believes and says that Jesus is the Son of God has God living in him, and he is living with God. We know how much God loves us because we have felt his love and because we believe him when he tells us that he loves us dearly. God is love, and anyone who lives in love is living with God, and God is living in him. We show the world that we are truly from Christ because we love each other and that love comes from Him. That's what Jesus meant. You want them to know you've been with me? They're going to see it because you love differently. You don't love for what you can get. You don't love because you all look the same. You don't love because you have the same opinion. You don't love because you voted for the same person. 
Don't tell me who you voted for. That might hurt it. Okay. We love because he put it in us. Jesus wants to give each and every one of us that love. A love that is beyond selfish. A love that doesn't matter about if you like me or if you agree with me. And that love can only come from Jesus. He said he wants to give us a brand new heart. You see, he doesn't ask us to fabricate it or to fake it till we make it. You can't fake it till you make it. You fake it long enough, you're going to break it. That was just poetic there, wasn't that? Okay. Doesn't work. It's definitely not scripture, fake it till you make it, okay? I'll give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart. You've got bitterness in your heart. You're like, there's some people I am never loving. I hope they die. Hey, let's be honest. That happens in some people's hearts. They've been hurt bad enough that they got people, they're like, I'm fine if they just disappear off the face of the earth. No. You need a new heart. You need God to deal with your heart. That's not the heart of Christ. Scripture says he is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you hear that? That means the people you don't like. That means the people you think are not good enough. All. He says, I'll give you a new heart and I'll give you new and right desires. I'll put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you new hearts of love. All right. Here is how you receive a new heart filled with love. It's not difficult. As a matter of fact, it's so simple that most people are like, could it really be that easy? It can really be this easy. Jesus said, if you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, that he died for your sin. If you believe that and you confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. It's almost too good to be true, but it's true. And that's why here at our church, we take opportunity to you speak with our mouth what people are believing in their heart. If you're here today and maybe you're feeling that love of the Lord, or you're feeling that, boy, I would love to have my heart changed. I would love to be able to love. I want to because, you see, after enough hurt, hearts become so hard that it's almost impossible to love. If you want that new, changed heart, you simply need to ask Him. And today we're going to take a moment. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never asked Christ to be your Savior or you just haven't thought, I need to follow Him. We're going to do that tonight, right where you're sitting. So bow with me and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Change my heart. I thank you now. I am saved. Amen. Give God praise.